0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of RENAR Voice. My name is Robert Swatala. I'm one of the co-hosts with RENAR Voice. And with me, my co-host, my friend, my colleague, Jeff Mazzone. How are you, Jeff? Hey, bro. Good morning. What's up, Robert? So we're going to do something different and special today. Yeah. And it's going to be a new thing that we'd like to incorporate on the show and, you know, we came up with this idea right at the beginning of Renar Our Voice, right? And, and the idea was it was voices. We were hearing voices, not, mm-hmm. not, not literally hearing voices, but um, <laughs> hearing on the podcast. And so, so, we've had this experience of hearing faculty. We had this experience of hearing professors and, and professionals in the uh, counseling realm, as well as we've had the opportunity to share our story. And I mm-hmm. think there's something powerful in our voice, something powerful in our stories. And I think that's what makes counseling very unique. And we're going to do something different today. We're going to actually expand on that voice concept. And we're going to bring in a guest that has been on the the other side of the mm-hmm. chair, if you want to call that mm-hmm. a guest, a guest, and um, just get their experience. And I think that's a unique perspective is to hear from somebody's story that much like me and you that have been impacted by counseling in our lives and, and really is part of our God given purpose, I believe. So um, I'm excited for this because this is a unique twist. And and I am I know that you're really excited because <laughs> yeah. you have a close connection sure. with our guests. Sure. And so with that... Um, if you don't mind, if you want to comment on that or just go ahead and introduce our guests if you could yeah, thanks Robert so i think I think it's helpful for us as
1: professionals just to hear the story from the other side, especially since we've many of us have had our own experiences in counseling, but also to hear the stories of very i don't know if unique is the right word, I mean we all have a special kind of individuality but you know, a special kind of niche demographic, right? Yeah. So I mean, my idea based on my own background was like, I'm gonna bring in a Catholic priest. Yep. <laughs> which should go over really well at liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it you to know. you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh so talking with Dr. Ostrander about this, Dr. Chris Ostrander, and he said, Well, if you're gonna bring in a priest, you might as well get a pastor and a rabbi and just call That's it right. a wrap, yep. you know. So <laughs>
0: priest walks into counseling
2: that's right yeah there we go right yeah
0: (laughs) so for any any y'all that listened
1: to the episode um just recently where robert had interviewed me i had mentioned uh the religious order that i was a part of many years ago well before i met my wife and i had mentioned uh father isaac who is a member of that community the franciscan friars of the renewal and he had agreed previously to be our guinea pig if you will uh with this client series um and so i had shared about him uh, a little bit in that episode but we're really really honored and blessed uh to have father isaac here with us today and i'll just introduce him real quick and then we'll get uh hit the ground running so father isaac is currently serving in northern ireland in Derry. Uh, he's been there for about six years uh, working with the poor. Previously to that, he was in the South Bronx uh, for quite some time, working with the homeless at the shelter that the religious order runs. Father Isaac's originally from Omaha, Nebraska, but he grew up uh, just outside St. Paul in Minneapolis. He joined the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal in the year 2000, made his final profession of vows in 2005, and was ordained at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City in 2010. So he's been a priest uh, for 12 years. And not only that, he's been a dear, dear good friend of mine and my family's uh since we met, uh actually in two thousand five. So it's a real joy for me to welcome you here today, Father Isaac. Good morning, God bless you. So good to see you.
3: Good morning. It's actually good afternoon for me and it's great right. to meet you guys. So <laughs> Uh, yeah long time no talk jeff way too long <laughs>
1: i know it i know it um my wife wanted to pop her head in here but uh she's still circumnavigating the children so i don't know if we'll get that
2: <laughs> uh, is it gonna be
0: a uh, guest a host
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Go.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so father kind of how we want to navigate this episode today and, and we mentioned this before like a little bit about you um your life as a, as a friar and a priest uh just for our audience to kind of set the stage for that and then kind of what led you to want to pursue counseling for yourself uh, what was that experience and then uh what does life look like for you afterward kind of navigating uh those challenges and and the reason a big reason I wanted to bring on uh, a priest you know and a pastor would be very similar anyone who just serves and gives is like the difficulty of navigating how do you give of yourself When you begin to realize that there's a lot of struggles that make that difficult, right? In a life that has a lot of pressure to be on all the time, to be giving all the time, that gift of self, especially in imitation of Christ. And then, but you run up against your humanity, right? So that's kind of what we're hoping to chat about today. But before we get into that, can you just share a little bit with us, Father? Like, what does that mean to be a Franciscan friar? And then just, yeah, help us figure that out.
3: Yeah. So we preach the gospel, um and we we do hands-on work with the materially poor and destitute also includes the, the the spiritually poor and destitute as well but um so the best way to talk about it is just to share the context that i'm in i've been in in Derry in the north of ireland for about six years this is an area that uh is used to oppression they've been occupied i mean the the struggle between the Irish and English is, you know, eight hundred years old. Um, so English occupation of Ireland, uh, leading to the well-known troubles you know, in the late twentieth century. Um, the great cultural divide along both religious and political lines, uh, leading to a lot of violence and ongoing, like, generational bitterness and hatred. And uh, and yet, there's a distinctively uh, Christian and especially Catholic at least history to the area. If not, uh, yeah, it's it's still very much a part of the culture. And this is the place where we find ourselves uh, seeking out, you know, the, the, the poor and lost to serve, uh, seeking out those who need to hear the good news. <clears throat> and so we've been here for the last, well, I've been here for the last six years, uh, you know, sharing the gospel with people, uh, a place that has really struggled. Uh, there, there's just kind of like a hopelessness amongst a lot of the people. Um, Big time suicide rate, drug abuse rate, a big time problem with forgiveness, um, which I can totally relate to personally, but you see it on a cultural level uh, here. And so it's kind of like the perfect place for us to be. It's a great place to share the gospel with people. And uh, and that's where I've been living out my, my Franciscan vocation for the last six years and my priestly vocation.
0: Father Isaac. Just take us back real quick to maybe even before we got into the counseling world or or you decided to go to counseling. what I'm curious about is is that calling um you know Jeff had mentioned it in his interview, like kind of when he knew that that was that was going to be his calling that was what he wanted to was was there a specific moment that you like re- were experienced or that happened there like that's that's where i want to go that's the direction i want to le- lead my life
3: it was a journey but it, there were moments uh one oddly enough was watching the movie braveheart <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I was very much uh i mean i was born and raised catholic but i was a uh, a practical atheist at that point and a. Uh, very practical hedonist at that point, but I saw this movie and I was just blown away by someone who was willing to give their life for a cause greater than themselves. I was just completely steeped in selfishness at that point in my life. And I knew I was missing the boat. I saw this on the screen. I'm like, yeah, I'm not living. uh, I'm not living the reason that I'm on this planet. So that began this journey. um, And uh, I had, I had had a negative experience of God growing up in my life. Um, because of the way that he was presented to me, but I never disbelieved in God, and I just knew there was more to him and 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 as I began this this search which began with that movie i just I just kind of knew innately like somehow my pursuit of happiness had to involve god um, and so i I started uh, talking to people who knew him and um, uh, just seeking him out in my own kind of groping and awkward way and uh at one point i i told three bosses i i worked at a telecom company i told three bosses that god told me to leave my job and i went to do missionary work down in mexico um which was an opportunity for me to get out of a toxic environment but also to encounter god in a deeper way and learn to give myself and not long after being on mexican soil i just knew like i think i'm supposed to be a priest um and uh and then that call was confirmed and confirmed but in mexico i was living living and work working amongst the materially poor i was living in community and um so i sought out a permanent expression of that you know the living in community the the living and working amongst the poor the sharing of the gospel and that's what led me to
2: the friars
1: i love that yeah just thank you for that father um just that slow kind of peeling back the layers, if you will, like mm-hmm. Father Glenn always says, right? And,
3: uh, yeah. well, and how... He calls us onions. People. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I love how like where you encountered God um, kind of became the place where you wanted to live your life. So walk us through that, if you would, Father. W- what was that like for you entering into religious life uh, those, first, those first early years and preparing for the priesthood?
3: Disorienting, certainly. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just thought I was supposed to be here. Um, and, uh, and I didn't really... I knew God was leading me, but I didn't really know God. Uh, I think that was part of the reason I also came is because I, I, I wanted to know him, but I didn't know how to know him. So, yeah, d- d- on one hand, it was great because I had a community. That's what I longed for the most was I knew I didn't want to follow God alone. So instantly, I'm thrown into this community, which, on one hand, is really helpful. You're, you're amongst like minded guys, you know, fish swimming in the same direction. Um, but on the other hand, it was very jarring. Uh, and a lot of the um, struggles within that I didn't even know were there are, are instantly manifest like performing for my identity, you know, performing, trying to earn my worth. Um, you know, jockeying for position in the community without even knowing I'm doing it. Um, all the insecurities and, you know, inferiority starting to be manifest. And it was interesting because I, I came out of a really regimented, very strict household and kind of kind of into a, a regimented and strict religious order, you know. And I'm like, over the years, I would look back like, what, what was I thinking? But, uh, but the longer <laughs> I'm here, the more I realize like God's, God uses it. Uh, to expose the stuff in his heart in my heart that prevents me from knowing him and and knowing himself sorry i probably said too much there but let you ask some more questions
0: no that was good so just kind of getting up to speed with this journey you, you i think it's it's crazy that you you were inspired by braveheart and then you know, end up working in Ireland and serving in that way. That's just, that's only a God thing, really. I mean, that's so cool. Um, But you you got that calling, you, you took those steps, you got into the friars, you know, but it sounds like there is still some things that you're processing and working through Is that the point where you say, hey, I need to talk to somebody about this. I need to go to counseling. Or how did you get to that point where you were ready to to entertain counseling or seek out counseling?
3: Yeah, it took a few years. Uh, I I think right away I knew things weren't okay. Um, So I talked with different, I mean, the founder of our community, well, he wouldn't call himself the founder, but he really was. He was a very uh, well-known pre-psychologist. So I, I talked to him and talk I, we all have spiritual directors so that's someone that we can talk to not just about spiritual things but other things going on um we talked to different brothers um and we'd get little bits of advice or, or, or little help um i went on different retreats you know seeking some sort of inner healing but i didn't really know what i was looking for partly because i didn't know what the problem was and then um in my final year of seminary we were offered this pastoral counseling course from a local psychologist who had befriended our community and wanted to help us with formation. And every week we had to read like 200 pages uh, for this optional class. And But as I started to read this stuff about the emotional life, I thought, my God, this is amazing. Someone's finally describing what's going on inside of me. Um, And I don't just mean the messy stuff, but like someone's talking about emotions I mean, I knew I had feelings, but I didn't really know what emotions were. And I didn't definitely, I don't think I knew they were good, except for the ones that feel good. Um, I mean, there's even different understandings of what emotions are and different lists of emotions, you know. So, but anyways, um, and it was like, oh, wow. And so then I began to read with greater interest. And then I'm like. I pulled one of the friars aside who was, was sponsoring the class i said i want to talk to this person you know the the, the, the psychologist who was running the class i'm like i don't just want to go to class like i want to talk to somebody about what i'm feeling and um but it was it, which was interesting because and i yeah i, I want to say this definitely because because what, what he said to me was and i know he meant well but what he said to me was he's like he's like you and i he's like we're functional He's like, yeah, we're messed up, but, you know, we can sort of like make our way through life. So he's like, I don't think you need that. And I was like, okay. And he was an older friar, and so I just kind of let it go. But it just wouldn't go away. I'm like, no, I don't just want to function. <laughs> uh, I'm not even functioning that well at times. And um, sort of like Jeff said at the beginning, the there is a lot of pressure, right or wrong. I, I don't think there needs to be, but there is um, on someone who's, a you know, a religious professional. Um, and, uh, and I didn't want to live like a Pharisee. I wanted to be free. So, anyways, then I finally got permission to start seeing the, the counselor and, and start digging into some of the stuff I was reading about.
1: Father, yeah, it even sounds like your desire to learn more and to experience more and to, to understand and, and to find some freedom and some truth. Like, it, it seems like you ran up against some, some obstacles there. Maybe, yeah, part of this larger culture of. Like you said, oh, well, we're functional. Like we get the job done. You know, we set our will to it and we just do it. And it, it sounds like a piece of that. It, it really does violence to our nature, uh, that it doesn't incorporate the, the fullness of our humanity and, and what makes being human beautiful. Mm. This, this suspect emotional life and, and the dangers that can happen when, when that isn't given the same respect, maybe because out of fear or ignorance.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I certainly grew up in a family culture, but I think a national culture as well and of, uh, you know, which was really informed by this performance based mentality. You know, this neurotic drive to do, do, do uh, instead of BBB. And, uh, and there really wasn't time to slow down and to pause and to
2: feel and to think uh and to ponder and so i already had that in me uh, and then i joined this
3: uh intense religious community um which is very active and very well respected and in very high demand and so again that's just that's just feeding uh this mentality which is doing a lot of damage um and in fairness to that priest who said that to me i mean that's what he grew up with both in his family and in the community. Um, but yeah, we, the, our humanity is so much richer than just our will, uh, it's so much, you know, and, and, our, our fulfillment is measured in so many other ways than just what we can do or what we can, produce. I can do a lot of things, but if I'm wrecked in the process, uh, it's not worth it. And, uh, I've always had, I've just always had a sense like there's so much more, there's so much more healing. I still have that. I, I feel that even as we do this today, I feel extremely incomplete, um, but farther along in the journey than I was 10 years ago, 12 years ago.
0: Yeah. I think that's so true of all of us, you know, in terms of that journey, that that process of sanctification really, you know, becoming whole. So I want to go back and go back to the time that you arrived into counseling and Jeff shared a little bit in his story, his experience, but I'm curious of what your experience was with that in terms of, the, the level of counseling, what you were able to to uncover through that process and just your general experience of going through the, as you guys said earlier, that process of peeling back the, the the onions and that's very much a recovery, um, process as well. We talk about that peeling back the layers of the onion. So I'm just curious of what you found as you peel back those layers and how that experience was for you.
2: Hmm.
3: Um, yeah, something that may be helpful for those listening is um, years before I entered into this counseling thing, I, I had actually spoken to a psychiatrist connected with the with the seminary. I was about to say cemetery. <laughs> um, That's common, and, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, it is actually. Uh, and with with he he didn't know me at all, but within twenty minutes, he had given me a pretty severe psychological uh, psychiatric diagnosis. He had put me on some big time drugs, uh, neither of which worked. I took myself off and which you're not supposed to do a year later because they weren't working. Um, so anyways, then fast forward a few years and I'm with the psychologist and I told her uh, that he had said, you know, that I was bipolar and he didn't know me. And she said, there's no way you're bipolar. And she said this, she said out of the this may be incorrect, but this is the number. I She's like, out of a thousand people that have come to be bipolar, she said one was, a, one was a true case. She said most people, and it's definitely true with you, uh, have emotional struggles. You know, like, so, so in my case, there was real emotional repression. But I just say that because, and I will answer your question, Robert. I'm, I'm doing that in the Father Isaac way. Uh, You're fine. The, Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. The, uh, but we live in this culture, uh, because of everything that I said before and more, uh, it's, at times, all we can afford to do is label and categorize people so that we can keep moving. It's like, well, what drugs can we give this guy to keep him functioning? You know, what, what drugs can we give this person to, to survive? But, but that wasn't the issue. And, and the drugs absolutely did nothing for me. Um, so I found someone who was willing to go beneath the surface. I found someone who was willing to actually listen to my heart way more than I was. I look back now and I'm not meeting with this person anymore. And I think it was frustrating for her at times because certain areas would pop up in my heart that needed to be addressed. And I, without even realizing, it, I, I was clamping down because that's what I'd been taught to do. But, the, but here was a person who was deeply interested in me um, and, and didn't even see the problems as problems in, 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 in the sense like, uh, oh, I just got to fix this person. But they're like gateways. Uh, you know, they 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 become doorways to to greater freedom and door and and and, and opportunities for uh, multiple facets of my personality that were undeveloped come forward. You know, behind behind the neuroses is gifting, uh, is beauty, um, and so which is something I, I still struggle to appreciate. But um, so that that was for starters. That was a real eye opener for me. Uh, like, oh, it's okay to feel all the stuff that I'm feeling and. Oh, there's actually legitimate reasons for it. Like no one had ever told me that, um, you know, I, I grew up in an environment where I was I, like, I was terrified to not obey because, because that meant the, you know, the, the loss of connection or, or at least the threat of it, you know, rejection, like what would happen um, if I didn't just play according to the rules. I have this intensely passionate nature and that was not okay. That was not okay at home and it wasn't okay in the religious community, or at least I didn't think it was. And then here's the here's this psychologist who again is not just there to fix me but but there to draw forth uh the this
2: this intensity and 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 this richness uh it was it was really eye opening Yeah that that's so good, and thank
0: you for for just sharing that experience and that vulnerability. And and what I'm hearing a lot of your story is this process of different people, influential people, just kind of saying, "Hey, it's going to be all right. You're gonna you're gonna function. You're gonna make it. You're gonna be able to handle society, right? You're a functional member of society, a contributing member. But yeah. I think it sounds like there was a deeper deeper desire, not just to function, but to thrive, to be alive, to know you right and know all these kind of hurts and, and 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 deep corners and stuff that you knew inside just wasn't healthy wasn't right and yeah you might function with it but that's not what you wanted and 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 it sounds like this process and and through the counselor was able to kind of unpack and maybe unlock some of that aliveness and that ability to thrive and work through some of this emotional burden that was keeping you there
2: yeah definitely
0: so, so talk to me a little bit afterwards, uh, or even into that counseling experience, when these things started to come alive, you know, these kind of wounds and hurts or whatever it was, the emotional stuff that you were processing. What did you notice? What did you see? What did you experience through that, that you were like, this is, this is different. This is feeling alive. This is thriving. This isn't just functioning. Kind of, kind of, where did you see the fruits of counseling?
3: Yeah. Immediately, I was able to give myself way more permission to feel what I was feeling, uh, regardless of what it felt like or what was triggering it or what was driving it, um, what I was thinking or what the objects were that I was thinking and feeling about. And, uh, and that just, it just relieved so much internal pressure. Uh, it brought a lot of rest to my being, uh, even physically. Uh, That was a really big deal. And and then I started being more honest in relationships as well.
2: Um, Those were two pretty striking um, effects kind of in the first two years. Father, there's such a beautiful balance between the delicacy of all of this, Mm. but then also like the
1: the masculinity of it, like the true masculinity. And and I love how you said before, like that behind the layers of you know, distorted thinking and distorted ideas about our emotional life, that in all of the mechanisms that we use, and I, I use the first person plural there, <laughs> um on purpose, because you and I have very similar experience um that below all of it that there is this beauty and also this potential for gift and it would seem like and it's hard for me to have this conversation because i know your story (laughs) you know i've seen it i've experienced it uh intimately and deeply and beautifully and my family has too for the time that you spent with my family um I know that it hasn't wasn't an easy journey for you, but I also know that it's one that uh has made your priesthood and life as a man so much more fruitful. Mm-hmm. In all the ways that it seems you wanted. Like no one enters marriage, no one enters priesthood, no one enters like you said, a professional religious life with only wanting to give 20%. And if I'm hearing your story correctly, it seems like a lot of what led you into the counseling was I want to be able to give all that I desire to give,
2: but for some reason, I can't. Hmm. I don't think I was aware of that. Mm. Um, I, for me, I'm glad you said it that way, though. Because the healthier I become, the more self-gift becomes important, yes.
3: uh, the more I desire to do it. But in the beginning, I'll, I'll be very honest with you, um,
2: I just wanted to be whole. And I would have traded in everything to be whole. Like I, I'm, 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 I'm,
3: I say starting to learn because I think we're always starting to learn, but I'm starting to learn that you know it's it's not the priesthood that's going to make me happy it's not being a part of this religious community it's knowing who i am uh knowing who i am in christ knowing knowing who i am as that particular expression of christ that is has some similarities with robert and jeff but is also different because i'm an individual um so you know i i have a particular version of jesus and 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 that's that that knowing that knowing that person and loving and accepting that person is the key to happiness but i also don't apologize for that motivation i mean like I, even if like the self-gift thing was like a very very low on my uh, motivation or priority factor for, for giving of myself because uh i think that's the way god is is has designed us to work like identity comes first, you know, it's the, it's the, you know, it's the dog-eared saying, we're human beings, not human doings, but it's true. Like that saying is dog-eared because it's true. Like, and, and, and when I do double down on that, when I sink my roots down in that, when I, when I, uh, let myself become more of who I am, the self-gift, like in many instances is effortless. Meaning there's a flow to it. Like the effort is me saying yes to it. But I think this is the gospel, like uh, you look at those fruits of the spirit in Galatians 5, it's not meant to be a to-do list. It's meant to flow. And in any area that it's not flowing, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, et cetera, where that's not flowing, that's an area where the risen Christ wants to get in there and heal. Like it really is meant to flow. I, and, I, and I think the, the, the version of Christianity I grew up with was, no, no you, you do, you perform for Jesus. I didn't want to perform for Jesus. I was tired. I was tired of I I was tired of performing for my parents. I was tired of performing for friends. I was tired of performing for Father Benedict and Father Glenn and you and everyone else like and I I still fall into that, but it is it is a dead end. (laughs) It's not worth it. So. I don't even know if that responded to your. Yeah, it did respond to your comment. I don't know if you're asking yeah. a question. No, that no, that it way yeah. responded. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and amen to that. Oh and how true
0: God. is that? Is that identity piece? Um, and I love that wholeness. Mm. Um, mm. Just just so good. And, and I guess I guess as you're talking there, and and maybe as we kind of start to slowly wind down here, do you think you're able to achieve that wholeness? Do you think things look different? if you don't walk into, if you didn't say, Hey, I need to speak to this person because there's stuff that I need to work on. Do you think that you, and I know it's a, it's a very hypothetical question, but do you think you get there if you don't walk in and take that initiative?
3: I'll answer it this way. I mean, you and I aren't talking today if I didn't. Mm -hmm. So uh, you're right. It's hypothetical, but my experience is, is very real. And, um, yeah so no i i I, I, we need that outside perspective uh sometimes you're just so close you know your 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 face is in the problem that like you just can't see beyond it uh or you're so close to it um you can't tell yourself uh sometimes god speaks through other people um especially people who have who have a real knowledge in this area a knowledge of of the human person and a love for the human person. You know, hopefully, it's 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 counselors and psychologists who are like, yeah, it's not like the goal is not to help people function, but the goal is to help people thrive, like a real love for human nature and a real belief for what human nature can become, especially through the grace of Christ. Um, but no, I, I'm and and and, and that, I'm really glad you asked that question because I grew up because of the particular wounding that I experienced. It was sort of like, well. Screw it. You know, everyone else is like, no one really cares about me. Uh, But I have all i I have a significant amount of ability and a whole lot of pressure on myself because of that. So I just got to do it. I'm on my own. And so why would I not treat my healing that way? I'll figure it out. I still fall into that daily. I I can use my prayer life that way. Like, okay, Jesus, how are we going to fix me today? He's like, I just want to hang out with you, you know? And I'm like, well, I don't got time to hang out with you. How are we going to fix me today? But it's like... Anyways, you know what I'm saying? It's like, the yes, Yes, Robert, the short answer to your question, I need to speak to people.
0: (laughs) So true. I love it. I love it. That's so good.
1: Oh, gosh, man. I'm like, I I got my mic muted here because it's just me laughing the whole time.
3: (laughs) You should hear my conversations with Jesus. Oh,
1: man. Well, I feel like we're getting a snapshot of it, Father, because it's real, you know? And that's you, man. That's you. Like you don't have time for anything else other than that. Even even on a bad day, it seems, you know, you've learned that and you, you exemplify that. I love it. I love it. I wanted to ask father and I don't want to fall into the trap of using, not using, but allowing our conversation with you to just kind of um, blow air into us, you know, it's like, Oh, look how great counselors are. This is what we do for people, you know, like, yeah, it works. Like that's, I, I want to, if we can, Father, like what worked for you in the relationship with your clinician.
3: Well, um, this is the truth. It's not just because of you know who I'm talking to, uh, meaning you know counselors who have uh, who are Christian, you know who, who have faith in Christ, but la, the the particular counselor that we went to.
2: Um, is a real woman of God. Um, And I don't, I I especially don't mean a performer for
3: God. I mean, she's a friend of God. Um, And as the years went on, and, and it was off and on for many years, but as the years went on, it became less and less psychological and more and more, why don't you go to God with that? Why don't you go to God with that? You know, like recognizing that uh, ultimately, you talk about self-gift, Jeff, ultimately, the purpose of our human nature is to make a gift of ourselves to God. Um, but in the form of trust, like I give my life to you because you made me, you love me, you know me, you have a plan. Um, so in the beginning, it was that it was that listening ear, that affirmation of what I was feeling. Um, and, you know, okay, let's look at why you were feeling that way. Let's look at the lies behind it, etc. cetera. But like the real affirmation of my human nature, but towards the, towards the end, it was, well, let's look at the purpose of your human nature. You, you were given this beautiful human nature to throw yourself into the arms of God. And so it was that constant encouragement to the point where I would get annoyed. Like I would ask her questions
2: and she would be like, it's time to go to God. Uh, and it, you know, it wasn't a cop-out uh, it's, it's,
3: it's, it's what I needed. Um, so it it, it just, just to touch on Robert's previous question, it's like, it is interesting. Um, we do need to talk to people. I mean, we're, we're made for relationship. That's, that's just part of who we are, but people can also become a replacement. Like, you know, God, father, son, Holy spirit wants to be our best friend. Um, and I'm still wrestling with that truth, but, um, anyways, I'll stop there.
1: No, that's great. Um, One of the first things we learn at Liberty when we start, um, there's a lecture that we watch with the founding dean, and he talks about Ephesians 4 and that line about speaking grace. And he says that the counselor kind of becomes that vessel, that mouthpiece of grace, but then disappears and lets grace do its thing, right? That it's not the counselor that's doing the healing. It's really God at work, right? And that this is not about eliminating suffering either. This is about learning to suffer well, which, which I know you, you've experienced. And I'm so glad you shared that, Father. Uh, it ties in with my own encounter and what we talked about when Robert interviewed me, that at the end of the day, the goal was to allow God, the Father, to be the primary affirmer of our being. And it, it sounds like that's, that was your encounter, like it's toward the end of your counseling relationship with that clinician like, I love how you said it, it became less psychological and more like, why aren't you going to God with that? And it seems like she kind of gave you a roadmap
3: for life post the clinical process. And I'll be very honest. It wasn't until we stopped meeting that I started to actually give into it. There was still like a clinging, like, no, but I want to talk to you, you know? And I, I think she recognized that like, um, and so she began to, Oh, well, there's no better way to say it. Just distance yourself. Um and like you know, it's sort of like throwing your you know, when you come home and like, hey mom, can I have this? She's like, go talk to your father. It was that type of thing. Like just literally throwing me into the hands of the father and I'm kicking and screaming. Um But uh yeah, afterwards only looking back and recognizing like, oh, there was some real wisdom there. Um Yeah, so and I and I think, you know, the If accounts in my opinion, uh, opinion of of someone who's not a professional counselor, but just to encourage you guys, like, uh, if, if, if you're, if you're living your life and, and, and living your ministry, the way that Dean describes as that voice of grace, like, I think you will actually see healing as opposed to just providing people with coping mechanisms. Yeah. I, I just, I, when I, when I read the gospels, I just don't see a lot of coping mechanisms. I see Jesus changing people's lives. It was, I was just talking to my mom last night. We always go back and forth. She's like, I think you just want heaven on earth. And I'm like, mom, Jesus placed the kingdom inside of us. I just want more of that, you know? So like the kingdom is not a coping mechanism. I know I know it's not heaven until we get to heaven, but uh, I just... I, yeah. I'm too lazy for coping mechanisms. Like I really am. Like there, there's a lot of them out there. I got friends who like they've done like this course and that course, and they know how to do like the right breathing and the, you know, like the nonviolent communication. I'm like, I just don't have time for all that stuff. Like I want to be transformed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: this is so good.
3: <laughs> I'm, I, I might have to use button. that next time. Jesus is the easy button. I want <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Father, that is that is really good. And 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 for in all seriousness, I appreciate the the vulnerability and the honesty. I know it's not easy to come on and and share your story and to talk about this. And and I certainly appreciate it. And and I know that our listeners will as well. And there's so much to gather out of this. But as we kind of wrap up, just kind of a, a closing question for you. You obviously are are in touch with and communication with a lot of individuals that are hurting, that are needing, that, mm-hmm. that are just struggling. And I guess my, my question to you as we wrap is, what would you say to that person that's kind of maybe in your same situation where they're, they're functioning, they're getting along with life, but they don't just want to function, they want to thrive. Mm-hmm. They, they want to find wholeness and, and wellness. What would you say to them is specifically in relation to, to the counseling, if there's
2: a fear of counseling or an insecurity there, kind of what would you say to those individuals? Hmm. Well, I would probably share, uh, if, if the situation was appropriate, I would probably share some of my own experience. Um, I think for some people, there's a concern about... Um, Safety? Um, you know, it, it, is it safe? Um, and so uh, I would just
3: talk about my own experience, especially comparing the experience with that psychiatrist who didn't know me and, and burdened me with a massive diagnosis versus experience with the psychologist who chose to get to know me um, and, 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 and sort of brought forth the heart. And I, and I think I would talk about that. Like, look, you could survive. You you, 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 could get through, you've been doing that for X number of years, but the fact that like you, you, you and I are talking right now because you're in pain and, and I
2: just believe that there's more for you. Um, are you interested in more? I, 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 I think I would just appeal to that.
3: Like, like you're here for a reason. Sometimes in the church, you know, we, we don't, we don't always give people enough reasons to hope for more. But it's like, this is who Jesus is. This is what he came to do. Um, so, and I, I think I would, I, I, I'm not always great at this, even despite everything I've gone through. You know, sometimes people just, they just bring it, you know, and they just dump it. And it's like, I want to run in the opposite direction. <laughs> I got my own stuff going on here. But maybe to just affirm, like, okay, what you're feeling is real. And uh, I believe there's reasons behind it. And, I believe the Lord can walk you through it. And I think he uses people to do that Um, and just really try to encourage people to. And I think the final thing I would say is that it is just, just encourage people like you are definitely not alone. Uh, That has been one lie that I have battled for decades. Like I'm the only one who feels this way, or I'm the only one who feels this bad, (laughs) you know, surely no one else is as screwed up as I am. Um, and I think we can all relate to that lie, and I think I think a lot of people out there can relate to that lie. And that's part of the reason that we sometimes we don't want to share, uh,
2: but just to say no, like you're the reason Jesus came. Like like what you're suffering with, that's why He came. He came to set you free. Gosh, that's
1: it. I, you know, Father, I love how you put that because I, I think of the words from our Lord. You know that I've I, come that you might have. Life to the full and the abundance of joy and, and St. Paul speaking about the glorious freedom that belongs to the children of God. And, and how often those phrases may not fully penetrate when the pain is there. Oh, yeah. And we have to take Jesus at his word.
3: Yeah. But, but it's but it can be hard to do. I remember, you know, for, he keeps bringing me back to Matthew eleven, right? And uh, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's just something that the Holy Spirit constantly brings up. But for years, I threw that back in the Lord's face. I'm like, He's like, you know, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I was like, No, it's not. It is so not easy, and it is so not light. Um, but I don't. I can't say that anymore. Or I, or, I, or if I do say it, I don't say it with as much intensity, like. I, Cause I've experienced, um, but the pain I was running from is, is where he wants to meet me so that I can know that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So I think that's another thing I would encourage people with Robert is just like, well, it was what I was saying earlier, right behind that pain, uh, is this powerful encounter with the Lord, uh, that's awaiting you. And, and, in this, in this, yeah, this new experience of his word, Jeff, and the truth of his word and this new experience of yourself. And
0: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's really good. Really good. Um Father, as, as we kind of close here today, uh, first of all, again, thank you. Thank you for mm-hmm. just your openness, your vulnerability, mm-hmm. your wisdom, really. I mean, I, I didn't know you. I uh, Jeff obviously has a has a past with you in a relationship. I did not know you, and I am just uh honored, really. Of, mm-hmm. of what you're able to share today and, and to sit with you and have that opportunity. And, and the reality is I, I'm going to say it. I think a lot of people have often prejudice and biases against priests, pastors, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, positive, mm-hmm. negative. And, mm-hmm. and I think the takeaway that I had today is um, God's using you in a ministry, but priests, pastors, counselors, helping professionals, you know, we're, we're broken individuals too.
2: Yeah.
0: We mm-hmm. struggle. We're no different. Right, and 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 it just happens to be an occupation, a calling that God has placed on our heart. Doesn't change who we are. Doesn't change our fallenness. Doesn't change the fact that we are human. And I love the fact that you demonstrated that today very clearly. And and but yet doesn't take away your desire to serve the Lord. And my my purpose is not a pastor. You know, it's not that yours is, and you're you're being obedient to that calling, but also mm-hmm. seeking wholeness and mm. wellness in yourself mm. so you can serve the Lord mm. better. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty cool. And that's awesome. And I thank you for sharing that today. It's a major takeaway for me. Mm.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you.
1: Yeah. I'm experiencing just the reverence and the sacredness of this moment. Father of, of hearing you and listening to you and watching you and, and yeah, the full horizon of the story is, is remarkably beautiful. And just gives me so much hope,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, gosh, it's so good. You know, just all the years that we've known each other and suffered together and cried together and yeah. <laughs> played together. And Oh <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, man, it's, it's so good. I'm just so grateful for you, man. Just my heart is, is bursting. Thank you. thank you for this. Thank you for saying yes.
0: <laughs> yes. I agree. Thanks for being on. We really I really enjoyed it guys. You. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, I, I am sure our listeners will enjoy it too. So thank you, and and to our listeners, I hope you you did enjoy this. We're going to continue with this series. We're going to have a couple of special episodes uh, over the next uh, several months. Here, we're going to, we're going to bring in these voices, and I think there is amazing power, so much power in watching God work. And like you said earlier, Father, it's this idea of the the treasure in the ashes, the beauty from the ashes, how God will take our brokenness and use it for his glory. And I think that's the power of our voices. That's the power of our story. And that's the power of our testimony. And I hope everybody will continue to listen. Father, once again, thank you, Jeff. Thank you again, everybody. God bless and have a great day.
2: Thank you.